Muldoon leads Arnold through the visitor center basement garage. They enter a room marked Park Ranger, and Muldoon picks up a gray shoulder launcher and unlocks a panel in the wall behind the desk. Inside, there are five cylinders and five canisters. Muldoon begins opening the cylinders and dropping the canisters as they rush out of the room. The thing about these raptors is that they have distributed nervous systems. They don't die fast, even with a direct hit to the brain. Unfortunately, we've only got five of these, and there are five raptors. In the control room, Hammond stands silhouetted in front of the window overlooking the rotunda. Using a flashlight, Wu nervously splices some phone cables together, then circles around to the front of the console. He picks up a phone receiver and flips a switch a couple of times. I, I think I've finally fixed it so we can call to the mainland. If they get the power on again. Hammond doesn't respond. Instead, he speaks in a detached voice. You were sloppy. Too casual with my great undertaking. You ruined my beautiful dinosaurs, especially the raptors. You were the one who rushed me. You encouraged me to accelerate their genetic developmental sequences so you could open your park. You're merely a scientist, Henry. A geneticist without vision. Hammond turns and looks out the window. I'm alone. No one is capable of envisioning this marvelous park with children pressed to fences, wondering at the extraordinary creatures who've come alive from their storybooks. No one else has the ability to see the future and the ability to marshal the resources needed to make that future vision a reality. The distant sound of an explosion from Muldoon's gun reverberates in the silent room. Muldoon's voice yells over the radio. It's got Arnold. I can't make this maintenance building. This is a lot. There's more of them after me. Muldoon's radio hits the ground as he tumbles headfirst down a hillside. At the bottom of the hill, he quickly loads his gun and aims at the movement in the jungle surrounding him. He fires. Grant and the kids walk along a jungle path. They hurry towards the visitor center and hear two more explosions. Radio in hand, Wu rushes out the door of the control room. Hammond grabs his arm. Wait! We've got to save my park! It's too late. Not to save the embryos. Hammond tries to keep Wu from fleeing, but Wu pushes him out of the way and continues down the stairs. Near the maintenance building, Grant and the kids arrive at a fence marked 10,000 volts. The fence, Nedry, opened. Grant and the kids open the non-electrified fence and start down the path leading past the maintenance building. The sound of static crackles from a dropped radio. Grant picks it up. Hello, this is Grant. Is anyone there? Hello, this is Grant. There's no response as they continue past the maintenance building. Inside the labs, a crazed Hammond grabs samples of his cloned dinosaur species, along with a couple of eggs. He places them into a portable incubator like the one Nedry used. Grant and the kids approach the silent clearing of the raptor pen. There, in a heap, 
are the bloody remains of a dead raptor and one of Arnold's legs. Grant grabs the kids quickly and leads them past the vacant raptor pen. Hammond rushes out of the lab area with the embryos. He freezes, thinking he's heard something. There's nothing there except for the eerie, silhouetted dinosaur displays. He's spooked. When the giant silhouette of the central T-Rex skeleton sways slightly, Hammond panics, turns, and runs upstairs towards the control room. Finally arriving to the visitor center, Grant and the kids start to come up the stairs. On Grant's radio, the static lessens dramatically. Grant, again, tries to contact somebody on the other end of the radio. Hello? Hello? This is Grant. My God! Grant, is that you? Alan? Alan? It's me. I have the kids. We're okay. Alan, where are you? Just outside the visitor center. Are the phones working? Because we need to call... Malcolm already told us about the boat. Computer's off. Power's off. Nothing works. Can we get it back on? We're all tasked at the lodge. Except for Hammond. We don't know where he is. Alan can hear the sound of confusion in the background. Alan, listen. The raptors have gotten out. I know. Arnold's dead. Mulder is hurt. He killed one before escaped. Followed him here. They surrounded us in the lobby. Bars are supposed to be electrified, but... Alan, just a minute. Ellie looks around the lobby of the lodge. Two silhouetted raptors are trying to get through the bars protecting the lobby. Another one appears on the other side of the building, followed by another. Muldoon limps on a bloodied leg, circling with his gun to guard Ellie as she speaks over the radio to Grant. Wu is crouched nearby. I just got one more shot, and I think they'll soon go through. We've got to get these bars electrified. Alan? We need you to turn on the main power switch at the maintenance building. Okay, I know where the building is, but you'll have to tell me what to do. Ellie hands the radio to Wu and looks back to notice there were only three raptors outside the bars. Muldoon and Ellie look completely around, then upward when they hear the sound of the fourth raptor scrambling on the roof. Hurry, Grant. Leave the kids in the restaurant. Take the radio with you when you go. Inside the empty visitor center restaurant, the uneaten leftovers from last night's dinner are still spread out on the extended buffet table. Beyond are two pairs of swinging stainless steel doors to the kitchen. Grant turns to the kids. Stay here. I'll only be gone about five minutes, okay? Grant gives them a cheerful smile, then rushes out. Don't worry about us, Dr. Grant. We'll be fine. As the door closes, Lex clutches Tim's hand. Together, they start to dig into the cake at the buffet. Hammond enters the control room and rushes over to the phone Wu has been working to fix. He tries to call out, but the line is still dead. Everything is going to be all right. Tim and Lex will be fine. I can start my park again somewhere else. At the raptor pen, the radio static becomes louder as Grant gets final instructions from Wu. I can barely hear you. On your way, 
check the phone terminal. See if Nedrick turned it off. Okay. I got it. The radio static is so loud that Grant turns it down as he enters the building. Grant props the door to the maintenance building open to let as much light in as possible. Lines of cables create an orderly maze inside the maintenance building. Flashlight in hand, Grant slowly heads down the metal stairs. The door behind him suddenly slams shut. He quickly turns to see if he's being followed by a raptor. He can hear a clicking sound, but it's just the reverberations of some cables caused by the door slamming. Grant shines his light ahead to see the main phone terminal. He switches on the lines that Nedry had turned off. Then he turns up the radio to call Wu, but hears only static. In the lodge, static is all that Wu can hear on his end. Muldoon and Ellie are intently watching the three raptors, who are partially hidden amongst the foliage around the outside of the lobby. The carnivores keep changing directions, and appear to be communicating with each other with a tapping of their claws. It almost seems like they're trying to distract us. They nervously watch the carnivores, backing up on opposite sides of the glassed-in atrium in the middle of the lobby. Above Ellie, the head of the fourth raptor peers over the edge of the roof. Ellie hears the sound and turns around just as the raptor jumps down towards her. The glass shatters, cutting Ellie as she falls back. Muldoon rushes around the atrium to Ellie's side. Ellie rolls out of the way as the raptor claw slashes through the couch behind her. Muldoon fires and blood splatters on the windows in front of the other three raptors outside. They let out a large snarl, then flee. Standing in front of the main power terminal in the maintenance building, Grant reacts to the sound of the distant shot. He quickly turns on the switches one by one. Hammond is standing near the computers when the power comes on. The phone lights up. Hammond immediately tries to call. Hello? Hello? This is John Hammond on Isla Nublar. Come in. We need help. There is no response. The kids are still eating their cake when they hear a hissing noise outside of the restaurant. They can see the silhouette of a raptor out in the rotunda, and they quickly run into the kitchen. Curious, the raptor enters the restaurant. It sees the tasty spread of food and sniffs at the potato salad then quickly jerks its head back and sneezes violently, its tail knocking over a few plates of food. The raptor moves along until it comes to a partially eaten cake. It licks it, then devours the whole thing in two enormous bites, frosting dripping from its jaws. The second raptor leans in and licks the frosting off the first raptor's face, which closes its eyes and stays motionless. Inside the kitchen, Tim is on a stool looking through the little round window in the kitchen door. Lex tries to climb up next to him. She knocks over some silverware. The two raptors freeze abruptly. One taps on the floor with its claw and moves forward. The other moves backward as though they are moving in for a plan. Tim and Lex scramble for hiding places in the kitchen. 
Lex finally crawls under a counter, and Tim opens a big walk-in freezer. The whole room freezing cold and steaming. Timmy. He turns as one of the kitchen doors opens, and the shadow of a raptor appears on the wall next to it, leaving the freezer door open. Timmy dives behind a cart nearby. The first raptor clicks its claw on the floor, and the second door of the other side of the room opens, and the second raptor enters the kitchen. Almost like a game of cat and mouse, the two raptors stalk Tim and Lex. Everyone is on the move at the same time, keeping counters and objects between them and the raptors. Kids crawl, climb, and slide in order to keep away from the raptors closing in on both sides. When the first raptor taps its claw as a signal, the second raptor moves forward. Lex sees this and taps a spoon on the ground to confuse them. The second raptor starts forward. Again, Lex taps the spoon on the ground and it backs up. Tim moves out from his hiding place. A metal bowl clangs on the floor and rolls into the open freezer. The second raptor leaps forward after it. Standing just inside the freezer's entrance, the raptor stares at the hanging sides of beef. Timmy seizes the moment and jumps forward to slam the door shut, locking the raptor inside. Hearing the noise and the screams of the trapped raptor, the first raptor rushes forward. Tim hurries to Lex, grabs her by the arm, and they push through the kitchen door. Inside the lodge, Ellie is desperately trying to reach Grant over the radio. Grant, come in. Where are you? Finally, his garbled voice answers through lots of static. What's happened? Is that a gunshot I heard? Molden had to kill one of the raptors. The other three fled. You've got to get back to the visitor's center. They may be heading that way. Upon hearing this, Grant starts running towards the visitor center. Tim and Lex rush past a gift counter towards the entrance of the restaurant. Lex trips and falls. When they look back, the door to the kitchen is swinging back and forth. An ominous shadow falls across their faces. The second raptor snarls and moves a step forward. Tim looks desperately for something to fend off the attack and grabs an umbrella from the store. He points it like a sword at the raptor. Suddenly, the umbrella snaps open. The design on the umbrella is the snarling face of a Dilophosaurus. The raptor stops in its tracks. Tim pushes a little button on the handle and a stream of water begins squirting out. The raptor jumps back. Tim throws the umbrella at the raptor and then rushes to the entrance with legs in hand. The raptor tears the umbrella to pieces. In the control room, Hammond is still trying to call out for help Hello? when he hears a voice respond. Hello, Jurassic Park? Come in. I hear you. Before Hammond can respond, he hears the sound of Lex screaming in the rotunda. Hammond rushes to the window and sees Tim and Lex running out of the restaurant area towards the center skeletal display. He turns quickly and rushes to the control room door. Hammond opens the door and stops in his tracks. Standing at the head of the stairway, directly in front of him, is the third raptor. Before Hammond can even respond, the raptor lunges forward. The control room doors fly open as Hammond falls back with the raptor on top of him. They crash down on the model of Jurassic Park. The raptor's claw slashes deep into Hammond's chest. The portable incubator Hammond had prepared crashes to the floor. 
glass tubes shatter, spilling the preserved dinosaur embryos. One of the two eggs cracks open, while a second rolls across the floor. Crashing out of the thick foliage, Grant rejoins the garden path and runs towards the visitor center in the distance. Moving quietly amongst the Tyrannosaurus Rex skeletal display, Tim and Lex hide beneath some scaffolding covered with frosted plastic. The silhouette of the pursuing raptor approaches. The raptor slashes through the plastic with its claws, and the kids push apart the scaffolding, holding paint cans on top of the raptor. The raptor shakes off the paint, then pursues the kids as they climb up into the ribcage of the Tyrannosaurus skeleton. The raptor crashes against the bones, causing the whole skeleton to swing dramatically back and forth like a pendulum. Crawling inside of the swinging ribcage, the kids use loose bones to hold off the raptor who's trying to get at them from the outside. The raptor moves to the entrance of the ribcage and snarls viciously. Tim and Lex are trapped. There's no escape from this cage. Grant enters the visitor center. From his view, it appears like the skeleton of the T-Rex is alive. It swoops down on the static herbivore skeleton and crashes into it, then swings away. Lex screams. Grant runs to the controls used to raise the lines of cable holding up the skeletons. He pushes a few levers, causing the entire Rex skeleton to drop a few feet. Grant rushes to below the skeleton. Tim, let's jump! Tim pushes Lex through an opening in the ribs. She falls into Grant's arms. Then Tim jumps down just as the raptor claws at him. Grant pushes the kids out of the way, then quickly disengages all the cables at once. The Rex skeleton swings wildly, crashing down into the herbivore skeleton. Trapped on the metal reinforced tail section of the herbivore, the raptor screams as the teeth of the T-Rex skull crash down onto it. Grant and the kids head through the non-electrified security doors and head up to the start of the stairs towards the lab. The third raptor hisses at them from the top, then jumps down in front of them. They flee through the door leading into the nursery there's no interior lock on the glass door. Grant motions the kids back as he searches for something to use as a weapon. The raptor crashes through the door. Grant holds the metal rod out like a staff as he protects Tim and Lex who are behind him. From the plexiglass cage nearby, the excited squeal from the baby raptor momentarily distracts the adult. It's making sounds just like the other baby we found. Without hesitating, Lex slowly takes a couple of steps towards the baby raptor, who is now excitedly clawing to get out. Lex, what are you doing? Grant takes a step towards Lex, but the adult raptor turns his attention back to him and snarls. The adult raptor eyes Grant, then looks to Lex, then to the baby raptor. Everyone stands frozen in place. Lex carefully opens the lid to the glass cage, and the baby raptor quickly jumps out onto her shoulder. The baby raptor makes a chirping sound. The adult raptor tilts its head slightly and takes a step forward. Lex 
stands frozen. Grant takes a step towards Lex, and again the adult raptor stops him with a snarl. Suddenly, the little raptor jumps down onto the floor. The adult jumps forward as if to attack it. Lex jumps back behind Grant. The baby raptor looks up innocently into the eyes of the first adult raptor it has ever seen. The adult raptor looks down. It seems unsure how to respond. The adult raptor opens its mouth, baring its teeth, and picks up the baby raptor in its mouth. It looks to Grant, and then to the kids. For a moment, it seems there is a mutual recognition, if not understanding, between the humans and this now parental dinosaur. The adult raptor quickly turns and runs away from the lab area. It stops momentarily outside of the glass and looks back once more before exiting the visitor center. Tim recounts their adventure to Grant as they hurry up the stairs. We trapped one raptor in the freezer, then I grabbed an umbrella. At the top of the stairs, Grant sees a trail of blood leading into the control room. He motions for Tim and Lex to wait at the stairs. Please, wait here. Grant enters the control room and sees Hammond lying in the midst of the collapsed model of Jurassic Park. He closes the door behind him, then rushes to Hammond, who is bloodied and barely alive. Hammond's eyes open when Grant kneels down and touches him. Uh, are Tim and Lex safe? They're all right. All the raptors are gone. Hammond nods weakly. I knew in my heart there were problems with my dinosaurs. The first group of DNA was too unstable. That's why we were hatching so many more eggs. Now they won't have a chance. They're all going to die. Hammond closes his eyes in pain. I was looking forward to your help, Dr. Grant. Before Grant can respond, Hammond's face and body relax as the life leaves his eyes. Nearby, one of the eggs that Hammond was trying to save begins to crack open and hatch. An infant triceratops pokes its head out. Grant picks it up and looks into its innocent face. Cradling the infant in his hands, Alan kneels amongst the broken pieces of the park's model next to Hammond's lifeless body. For a moment, Alan remains perfectly still 
surrounded by the destroyed remains of what once was Jurassic Park. A faint voice is heard over the phone, which Hammond had been trying to use. Hello? Come in, Jurassic Park. Grant slowly turns and picks up the receiver. This is Dr. Alan Grant. We need help right away. There's it's been a terrible tragedy here. Many people have been hurt. We heard Mr. Hammond. We heard screams. We've already contacted the Coast Guard. They have a helicopter on the way. Inside the corridor, Tim and Lex see Grant on the phone. They can see the ruined model and blood on the floor. But nothing else. Why can't we go in? Tim turns gently and moves Lex away from the window. Grant is finishing his conversation with the mainland. You must also intercept a ship called the Anne B, which left the island yesterday. It's due to arrive soon. Nothing must be allowed off the ship. They're in possession of stolen biological material. We copy. Get everyone to the helipad. Hurry. Grant hangs up, then picks up his radio. Hello, Ellie? This is Grant. Come in. Are Tim and Lex safe? Yes. But Hammond is dead. The Coast Guard is sending a helicopter. We'll meet you at the helipad. The Coast Guard helicopter descends at the helipad, blowing up a storm of dust. Ellie, Muldoon, and Malcolm, who are all injured, wait with Wu at the helipad. Grant is at the wheel of Muldoon's jeep, with Tim and Lex beside him. He's driving fast through the park. At a bend where the road starts up to the helipad, the trees are shaking. Grant skids to a stop as trees crash into the road in front of him. Grant pulls Lex and Tim from the car, and they run uphill into the jungle. Trees are falling behind them. They come to a level clearing, and the T-Rex appears out of the turbulent foliage behind them, running at full speed, gaining on them. The helicopter's rotary blades are spinning, waiting for them to get on board. Tim falls, taking Lex and finally Grant down with him. The T-Rex rushes towards them. They roll next to a large boulder. The giant carnivore runs right over them towards the helicopter, which is now hovering about four feet off the ground. The helicopter starts to rise to get out of the way of the charging T-Rex. The T-Rex lunges up and grabs hold of one of the helicopter's skids in its teeth. The helicopter spins around. The pilot is losing control of the aircraft. The skid is bending. The welds to the body of the helicopter start to give way. Finally, they break, and the helicopter spins out of control. Malcolm, Muldoon, Ellie, and Wu all fall on top of each other. When the pilot regains control, he circles over to the spot where Grant, Tim, and Lex are hiding. The helicopter drops low enough for Grant to hand Lex and Tim up to Muldoon and Ellie. Then he jumps into the helicopter just as the T-Rex makes a final charge. The T-Rex snaps at Grant's outstretched legs, tearing away part of his pant leg. The helicopter rises leaving the T-Rex alone. Grant is pulled aboard the helicopter, and the pilot turns to him. Whoa, what the hell was that? A Tyrannosaurus Rex. The others smile 
as the pilot excitedly radios in Spanish that he has just been attacked by a dinosaur. The helicopter flies over the island, and they view, one final time, Jurassic Park, with herds of dinosaurs grazing in the afternoon sun. With Tim and Lex between them, Grant and Ellie look down at this prehistoric site. They are truly magnificent. The dinosaurs don't belong here. They belong in the past, where they could rule the Earth. I still feel there's so much we could have learned from them. Perhaps the most important thing we can learn from dinosaurs is that one day our time will also be over. They mirror not only our own mortality, but also the great mystery of all creation. The helicopter continues towards the mainland. The island recedes into the distance, becoming nothing but a speck in the ocean. We hope you have enjoyed this audio drama production of Rick Carter's Jurassic Park. The cast, in alphabetical order, features the voice talents of Troy Burgess as John Arnold, Caleb Burnett as Dr. Ian Malcolm, Casey Wayne Cook Jr. as Dr. Henry Wu and Freddie. Derek Davis as student number one, John Hammond and Tim Murphy. Roberto Diaz as Spanish radio voice and Spanish pilot. Samantha Endress as Dr. Ellie Sattler. Brian Jin as Workman. Bernard A. Kyer as the script narrator, construction worker, pilot, and Dennis Nedry. Joshua Malone as Ed Regis, Dr. Alan Grant, and Lex Murphy. Tiffany Mason as Dr. Roberta Carter, nurse and tour card voice. Seb as Tower Voice, Intercom Voice, and Robert Muldoon. And Hollister Starrett as student number two, TV voice, and tour narrator. Original music and sound design created by Bernard A. Kyer. Based on an idea and assembled 
by Derek Davis. The text used is based on the novel and screenplay by Michael Crichton, with the screenplay revised and edited by production designer Rick Carter. The trailer and introduction were created by Derek Davis, featuring Rick Carter, Joshua Malone, and Derek Davis. Various resources were used for the introduction, including the making of Jurassic Park book, Starlog instead of Fantastique magazines, and additional public and private collections. In memory of and special thanks to Astrid Vega. This has been a Jurassic Time production. For more, including an illustrated video version of this audio drama, visit JurassicTime.Trescom.org.